As we enter into this final week of the Advent season, I want to say a special welcome again to those that are joining us online, but also those that are joining us on the radio at KTCU. We are glad that you have chosen to be with us in worship as well. As I said a moment ago, we are making our way through the season of Advent, that sacred season in which we prepare not only our homes, but also our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. It's a season that reminds us that the work of God is always unfolding, both in us and through us. Last week, you may remember when Renee preached, she shared with us Joseph's side of the story that came to us in Matthew's gospel. But this week, we're going to return back to Mary's side of the story that is found in Luke's gospel. After Mary was told that she was going to give birth to a child, and not just any child, but, but this child, the long-awaited Messiah, it just makes sense that she was confused. She was terrified. She must have been wrestling with all sorts of questions. Where would she go? How would she tell Joseph? Who could she talk to about this? Now, she may have remembered that when Gabriel came to her, the, the angel Gabriel, before leaving, told her that her cousin Elizabeth was also expecting a child, which was a miracle in and of itself because Elizabeth was thought to be beyond childbearing years. Now, as we're about to hear in the story, Mary left immediately, ran with haste, it says, in order to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Now, more than likely, she went to find Elizabeth with a hope, with the hope that maybe Elizabeth would help her believe this story that had been told to her, that, that she might be able to help her to make sense of everything that's going on. So as you listen to the story, I want to invite you to, to do your very best to put yourself in Mary's shoes, to feel what she must have been feeling to know how scared, how frightened, how confused, how terrified she must have been as she races to see her cousin Elizabeth, who she hopes and prays will help her make sense of what is happening. So listen now to this word from Luke's Gospel. Today's text comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45 and 56 through 58, which can be found on page 56 in the New Testament of your Pew Bible. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So according to tradition, Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah lived in a little tiny village known as Ein Kerem, a village that was just a few miles from Jerusalem, which would put it not too far from Bethlehem. So while it's close to Bethlehem, where the rest of the story will take place next week, it's a long way from Mary's home in Nazareth, about 80 miles or so, a journey that would take by foot probably nine to ten days. It's not just the distance, but it also covers a bit of rough terrain, has to go over three different mountain ranges. Now, chances are pretty good that Mary would have traveled with other people that were making their way to Jerusalem, but still, still this was a long, difficult journey, especially for a young woman in this condition. So the fact that Mary was willing to travel that far under those conditions in order to see Elizabeth, to me that just speaks clearly to how she must have been feeling, the desperation that she must be holding. We can only assume, we can only imagine that at this point in the story, she's not rejoicing at this good news. She's terrified. Keep in mind, as I said a couple of weeks ago, that that being pregnant out of wedlock at that time in that region was punishable by death. And so she had to be filled with all sorts of questions. How was she going to explain this to Joseph? How was she going to tell her parents, am I even going to survive this? More than likely, she went to Elizabeth with the hope that that Elizabeth would help her. And she longed for someone who might who might just believe her, to believe this crazy story, to to help her make sense of what was happening. Now, the text leads us to believe that they are cousins, and that may be true. But what we can know for sure, to be absolutely certain of, is that these women have an incredibly special bond. I'm wondering who that person is in your life. The first person, when something happens to you, whether it be great or horrific, whether it be good news or bad news, who is that first person that you can't wait to run to tell, this, to tell this news, to share in what's going on in your life? When something big goes down, who is the one that you can't wait to share that with? In her book, Circle of Quiet, Madeline Langle speaks about her friends of the right hand. And by that she means those friends, those people in her life that she could no more do without than a part of her own body. She says this, friends of the right hand are those who have made me know who I am, who bear with me, who pick me up when I fall down, both literally and figuratively, those friends who have shoved me back into a sense of proportion and a sense of humor. Those friends of the right hand. Do you have someone like that in your life? Someone that you can go to and tell anything. And know that you will be received by that person with grace and not judgment. I have a friend who is a pastoral counselor and he asks people when they come to see him if they have someone like that in their life especially those people that come in the midst of crisis, in the midst of something going on heavy that they are carrying. Do you have one person in your life, he always asks them, just 
anyone that you can share this with and know, know that you will be received with grace and with love and acceptance. He tells me that 80 to 90% of the people that sit on his couch don't have a person like that in their life. For Mary, that person is Elizabeth. And so it makes sense that in this moment, with this incredible news, that she would be the one that she would run to, to share in this, to help her make sense. It just makes sense. Although, if you look closely at the story, you realize that it doesn't make sense at all. Because as we heard earlier in the story, Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, is a priest. And a priest in that day and time was not just somebody who would preach and teach in the temple. No, a priest in that day and time was bound by duty to uphold the religious laws of the day, including the one that said that being pregnant out of wedlock was punishable by death. And so therefore, it makes no sense at all. Mary must have known that Zechariah held this role. Now, just a side note, if we were to continue on reading in this, we hear that later, that later Zechariah, upon hearing this news, is struck silent. He goes mute, almost as if God says, I need you to look the other way. I need you to be quiet. I got something I need to do over here. For who, you, who is that person? Now keep in mind, keep in mind as a friend, dear friend once told me, that a true friend is one who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words. A friend is one who, who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the words. Have you ever had one of those moments when you've lost sight of who you are? of your, your role in life, the, your role in this world, that you've lost that voice within. And you've had a friend, a loved one, a family member maybe that have held you, helped you find that song in your heart. Mary and Elizabeth were that kind of friends and they had that type of relationship. And so again, it does make perfect sense that that's exactly where she would run in this situation to help her find her voice, to help her gain perspective on what she was feeling, someone who would listen without judgment, who would believe her, encourage her, help her regain her faith, help her find her song again. Who is your Elizabeth? That person that helps you make sense of the world, to, that will listen and not try to fix or heal or change you, but simply welcome and accept you with grace, with understanding and love. Someone once said that every true friend is a gift from God. A friend is one of life's best blessings, a priceless gift that can never be bought or sold or forgotten. Who is that person in your life? I was reading a commentary, a biblical commentary in preparation for today, and I came across this, uh, this word uh, about the situation that we find ourselves in. It's a testament to God's care, this person says. 
It's a testament to God's care and provision that each woman has someone to journey with as she navigates the peculiar seasons in which she finds herself in. Both Mary, who is too young to be pregnant, and Elizabeth, who is too old, they find within themselves a a believing community that can make all the difference in the form of, of challenging these waiting seasons in our lives. And so after nine days of difficult travel, Mary's finally reached Elizabeth's home, and she, she announces, she shows up unexpected, and so she announces herself, Elizabeth, it's me. It's Mary. And Luke tells us that when Elizabeth heard that greeting, the child leaped in her womb. She becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. She speaks the words of God and says, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, the child that you are carrying. Now I want you to imagine, I invited you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. I want you to imagine in this moment Mary's feelings as she heard these words. Remember, it's been, it's been several days, maybe 10 days since Gabriel had appeared with this confusing announcement. And she had spent the last nine, ten days traveling with her secret, carrying this burden, uncertain, afraid, wondering how any of this could be true. But then, before she can even explain what has happened to Elizabeth, she goes on to say, in essence, listen, listen, you don't have to be afraid in this moment. You have been blessed. You've been blessed because you have been the chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Such good things are going to come of this, Mary. And with those prophetic words, Mary's fear gives way to joy. She's found the song of her heart and she begins to sing again. Mary needed someone who could help her gain perspective on what she was facing, someone who would listen, who would believe her, who would encourage her. And she found all of that in her beloved friend, Elizabeth. Now, I can imagine, in my mind's eye, text says that they stayed there for three months before Elizabeth gave birth. And I can imagine what happened in those three months, how Mary and Elizabeth would stay up late talking for hours and hours about about how a baby changes everything about how they spent time pondering these holy words that have been spoken about these miraculous pregnancies. And even though they are both faithful, I'm pretty sure, too, that they talked about some of the worry and the anticipation of having those children. And even though they are both faithful, godly women, I'm sure there were moments, if not days, of of worry, of fear, of restlessness. In in my mind's eye, I can picture them praying together holding each other, strengthening one another's hearts. You see, in a way, both of these pregnancies were reminders that life is about something bigger than themselves, that they belong to something bigger than than they could ever know, that in that moment they belong to a larger story, that they belong not just to each other, but most importantly, they belong to God. There's an important overarching theme of the Christmas story that we need to make sure that we don't miss, and that is that God exists within a holy community, meaning the Trinity. 
God's self, God's very being, is a thriving community. And as someone once said, God created us to flourish in an interconnectedness and a mutual support of one another, to recognize that we are all in this together, that we belong to one another. And we need those people in our life to, to remind us that all things are possible with God, to help us trust this narrative that God is still at work in the world, both in us and through us, to remind us that, that our lives matter, that we belong, that we belong in this world. And so in the midst of the dark days when life overwhelms, when it frightens, when it takes us by surprise, we need those voices that that speak to our fear, that bolster our faith, that help us to remember that song in our hearts. You know, the truth is, is that we can endure very little without the support of friends. Sometimes it can be scary, I know. It can be scary to open up, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, but when we do, when we do, we discover that it's so much easier than carrying the burden of life alone. Because in those moments we discover people who in, when it all seems too much to bear, when we can't find hope in ourselves to trust that others are hoping for us, that they are standing there with us in the midst of the darkest days saying, you will get through this. All is not lost and, and you may not be able to believe that right now, but let me believe that for you. You see, Elizabeth doesn't just welcome Mary. She speaks a blessing on her. And in that moment, she sees how God is at work and, and names it out loud. And in this moment of profound solidarity, Mary and Elizabeth, they can see the face of God in each other. Isn't it true that we most often clearly see who God is, how God works in this world through the people around us, through the lives of those that are closest to us, that we experience God's care and love through the actions of others, that we see God in other people. This morning, as we wrap up our journey through the season of Advent, I want to encourage you to prayerfully reflect on those friends, those people in your life who remind us who we are, who challenge us to live into the way in which God calls us to be, who accept us at every stage of the journey. Because those people, those people that you have been thinking about for the last several moments, those people mirror God's love for us and they mirror God's patience for our lives. But I also want you to pause for just a moment and ask if maybe there was someone in your life who needs an Elizabeth. Someone for whom you, you can be that source of strength. Someone for whom you can be that source of, of love, of hope, of assurance. This week, I want you to consider who you can be an Elizabeth for. And church, may we all be people who will hope for and with those who need us most. Standing with them in the darkest nights, reminding them of the promises of God that you are not alone. 
that you are loved, that you belong, that the world is about to turn and nothing is impossible with God. Amen.